It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle podcast. We have a crowded room today. I'm John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino, our guest from ESPN, Sal Palantonio. He's the host of the NFL Matchup Show on ESPN. It'll be on all weekend on ESPN and ESPN2. Make sure you go check that out. Set your DVR if you want to get ready for game <laughs> week. It's the best show out there. Uh, you get they, they do it down from NFL Film, Sal. You got to do a lot of great stuff, and it's a fantastic program. Thanks so much for the time, man. Oh, listen, Greg Cosell and Darius Butler are our new analysts this year. Do a great job. You know, Greg's one of the best quarterback gurus out there. You know, he breaks down the film as good as anybody. Darius has become a very entertaining uh, guy on the show. So we've had a good year, and we're going to finish up strong. Thank you for promoting the show. We really appreciate that. It is must, must viewing if you're a big football fan, you want to get into the X's and O's. Don't forget, folks, the Giants Little Podcast is brought to you by PSE&G, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. All right, Sal, let's take the 20,000 view first. 20,000 okay. view first. You talk <clears throat> to people around the league. You watch the league closely. You watch the tape along with your guys on the matchup show. What's the big picture view of how Brian Dable has managed to turn this Giants team into a playoff team so quickly when they were staring at a top five pick in the draft last year? Well, John, I think the number one thing when you want to take the big picture view, pull the lens back, you know, in all NFL franchises, you look at the owner, GM, coach, quarterback relationship, right? That is the chain of command from ownership down to the field. And you know, when, when Gettleman first looked at Daniel Jones, he said, you know, this guy looks like a CEO on the field. He looks like a starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think, you know, after three head coaches and four coordinators in New York, they finally got dialed in the right guy. Brian Dayball has, I just remember, I don't remember the exact game or the down and distance, but there was a time that Daniel Jones threw a very bad interception in the red zone or inside the five-yard line. And he came to the sideline, and Brian Dayball did one of these things, almost like grabbing his face mask, came real close on top of him. Paul's laughing, right, Paul? You remember? And he got Dallas in his, game. Yep. Okay, he got yep. in his grill, right, John? Yep. And, he's, and after the game, he was not shy about talking about saying, we can't let this happen to us. We can't let this happen. You can't do this. So – you guys can still see me, right? So I'm going to read something that was sent over from ESPN Stats and Information by our guy, Evan Kaplan, who's a Giants fan, by the way. <laughs> Daniel Jones has eight turnovers this season. You guys know these numbers, but I think they're worth repeating. On pace, the fewest in his career. Eight turnovers, fewest in his career. He had 23 turnovers as a rookie in 2019, 16 in 2020. Two ten last year, but eight this year. And get this, he has the lowest interception percentage in the NFL this year. The top three are Jones, Jalen Hurts here in Philly, and that guy Tom Brady. Remember him? So Daniel Jones is number one in interception percentage. He's got career highs in rushing attempts, 120, rushing yards, 708, and rushing touchdowns with seven. And here's the key thing. Assuming he starts Sunday, and I'm going to assume he's going to start, it'll be the first time in his career he started every one of the Giants' games. 
There have been 64 different starting quarterbacks in the NFL this year, John. Only 11 have started all 16 games, and Jones is one of them. It's a good number. Well, that's why durability is so key. Go ahead, John. I didn't want to. No, let's go ahead. Yeah. Because they were looking, Sal, to your point, for him to prove that he could stay on the field. You brought up the starting element, and you look at the Giants. They're coming off their two best (laughs) offensive performances in terms of total yardage and points. And, Sal, I think there's an argument to be made that there is something to be said about momentum late in the season that you can maybe carry that into the playoffs. How much do you think that weighs on Brian Dable in terms of saying, hey, we don't have anything to gain in terms of we're locked into the sixth seed, but our offense right now is performing at a very high level. Do I really want to disrupt that? Maybe there is some value and benefit to keeping the bulk of his starters on the field. What did Marty Schottenheimer always say, Lance? He said, football is a game of the heart, right? So my show is called The Matchup Show, but I believe in the mojo. I like the whole idea of momentum. I've seen it work. Hey. You guys know it very well. You've seen it work with Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning when they were a wild card team. They got momentum. They hit big in Green Bay, and they won on and won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, momentum is, a, I think, a huge thing. Not so much in baseball because momentum is only as good as your next starting pitcher, right, especially when you get to the postseason. We see that all the time. <clears throat> Phillies had great momentum in the World Series hit those dingers against Houston. And then what happens? They get shut down by great starting pitching. They got shut out and no hit. And then they got destroyed because of good starting pitching. In football, you can use energy and momentum because it is a game of the heart. Because, guys, there's not a lot of guys, Lance, walking around up there in the Paramus Mall that want to hit people for a living, right? (laughs) So – there, you know, it's a special skill that you get paid to to play a violent sport. Uh, so you got to have energy, and you got to wanna. You got to have the energy. Got to be. You got to have the ability to be want to be in it. Just taking that separately, knowing the Giants have been around those two Super Bowl winners, the Coughlin era. I wasn't really around for the Parcells era, but I know the pride of the New York Giants and the pride of the New York Giants fan i grew up in new york they didn't like it when philly came in there at 148 to 22 they'd love to be the spoiler for the birds there's no question about that and i don't see this eagles team with very much mojo right now they're trying to get that back so do the giants really want to be victims of the eagles getting their mojo back in the final game of the season i think that all has to be part of it lance and the calculus of what you do in this game Apparently, Paul, Sal has not been around the Paramus Mall around Christmas time when there are a lot of people <laughs> looking at other people. But, hey, really? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen those people literally knocking over each other to get to those sale racks? <laughs> uh, Sal, I, I got to ask you about uh, our Giants-Eagles connection here, and, and it's going to involve taking a step back a moment to John's question about the big picture with this team. Brandon Brown was in the personnel department with the Eagles for a few years. The Giants hired him as assistant general manager this year to Joe Shane. And Joe makes particular points every time he's asked about giving credit to him and the rest of the personnel staff for the Giants who have overcome a significant number of injuries. 
to pick up guys off the street, to have a rookie class that has produced, to have rookie free agents who have given them important snaps, to get them to nine wins. What was it about Brandon Brown that was so important to the Eagles and that he has brought to the Giants to help make this picture a hell of a lot better than it could have been? Well, Paul, I think it goes back to the whole concept of keeping it real. You know, and that and that's the that's what's kept this Eagles team uh up and and stayed up for the Andy Reid years. You had that bad year under Doug Peterson and he got fired. But for the most part, you guys know the Eagles have been very competitive. And Howie Roseman has been the GM or part of the organization since the year two thousand. So um yeah, there's people around him. <clears throat> that he's always brought in by saying, all right, I just want reality here. Don't sugarcoat it. Just tell me who's going to work, who's not going to work. You know, and the Eagles have instituted, and I don't know how much the Giants have adopted it or adapted it, excuse me, is this whole idea of, you know, cohabitation. Can this player that we bring in work with us? Can he collaborate with us? Is he a team player? Does he understand the concepts of what we're trying to achieve here? Not only from a football standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint. You know, Nick Sirianni has taken that to the next level and talked about the five core principles in the last two years. And the first one is connection. Are you making the connection to the guy next to you, to the coach in front of you, to the guy behind you, wherever it is, in a meeting room, in a prayer service? Uh, on the field, all of those things go into it. So the personality type has to fit as well as the football type. Well, so I think this is a good time to to move our attention then to the game coming up this weekend. You mentioned the Eagles mojo. What's going on with the Eagles mojo right now? It looks like Jalen Hurts will be back this week. They still have a lot of injuries on defense. Avante Maddox, Josh Sweats, Gardner <clears throat> Johnson. Those guys probably not going to play. They gave up 40 to Dallas two weeks ago. They couldn't mm-hmm. move the ball last week against New Orleans. Where is this Eagles teams right now, a team that everyone for the first 15 weeks of the year considered the most complete team in the NFL? Yeah, to dovetail off of Lance's point about momentum, you know, they don't have any right now. They don't have any momentum or mojo right now, as I like to say. And you got to get that back. So one thing that I hear is that Jalen Hurts is on track to play and start and play in this game, right? And that will go a long way. He is the heart and soul of the team. People always ask me, you know, was it the system? Was it the quarterback? Was it the coaching? And I said, you look at that offense, the scheme is Jalen Hurts. It has been Jalen Hurts. His ability to run and throw, his ability as a dual-threat quarterback to win from the pocket. Now you have to occupy another defender to Jalen Hurts running with the football. The flip side of that, right, John, is you look at the top three quarterbacks who have been hit running and throwing this year. They are Justin Fields, hurt. Jalen Hurts, hurt. Daniel Jones, not hurt. Uh, So, you know, luck has played into it. You you got to make sure you protect yourself. And when I look at Daniel Jones running, I see a young man who really understands how to protect his body. I'm sure coaching has gone into that. And I like Jalen Hurts running. 
he was giving up his body a lot. You know, the Eagles ran the most quarterback sneaks of any team in this century this year. That's a lot of wear and tear on your quarterback. Paul, Paul's shaking his head. Paul, just get a Paul, just get a fullback for crying out loud. Get a yeah, fullback. I, Sal, you know me, man. I, I don't want my quarterback running the ball that much. Well, especially with his driving his head into the middle of the line of scrimmage to the heaviest and most violent players on the field, man. with guys pushing him from behind. Let me repeat this. The Eagles have run the most quarterback sneaks of any team in the NFL in this century. The rugby move has like overcome the NFL. Now you get those guys behind that quarterback and it really is hard to stop. They do a good job with the lens. Well, I think they they, they stopped the offensive line. I guess to some degree you could see some logic in the, in running behind the horses, but at the same time, you are giving that guy a lot of extra hits that he really doesn't need. He's your most important player. He's going to be your most expensive player. Uh, and, And just to the point, Paul, and listen, I'm a big believer in having a fullback on the field. I, I like the fact that Kyle Shanahan is a fullback. I like the fact that Bill Belichick's always had a fullback. Coughlin all those years had a fullback. Parcells had a fullback. Uh, so, you know, short yardage should be for a big man who you're not paying a lot, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, logic would dictate. But the, the, the important point is to go back to John's question. They get their mojo back if Jalen Hurts can get on the field and do what Jalen Hurts has does has has done. So, but here's the question now: So, will we see Nick Sirianni dial up quarterback sneaks with Jalen Hurts coming off a shoulder injury? I'm going to answer the question for you: No. Will we see Jalen Hurts running around in designed run plays like he did for the first 14, 15 weeks of the season? As much as we saw, I'm going to answer the question. No, we will not. So we will see a different Jalen Hurts on the field for sure. And that changes the calculus defensively for Wink Martindale in this game. Absolutely. Completely changes the dynamics of the offense. Because like you said, Sal, you have to account for Jalen Hurts running or passing because of his versatility. And the other thing that I think is noticeable in Hurts' absence, Sal, you talked about they don't have the mojo. They also have not done a great job protecting the football. The turnovers are up. They have eight in the last three games. The takeaways are down, too. And Philly had been one of the best teams in turnover differential for a majority of this season. In the event that you just said, okay, they're going to take a step back with Jalen Hurts' approach, and maybe he has to put the ball in the air a little bit more the conventional way, how much do you think that's a product of why they haven't been nearly as opportunistic and also not nearly as good at protecting the football as of late. Lance, I'm going to give you a four-word answer. It's a great point, Lance. Four words. Hut, hut, ball out. Get the ball out of your hands. So I walk into the post-game press conference, and there is the first first person up there is Gardner Minshew. And first question is about the sacks. And then I say to Gardner, and you can see it on the transcript. I say to Gardner Minshew, did you hold the ball too long? And he looked at me and he said, Sal, yeah, I probably held the ball too long. We have a good offensive line. I held the ball too long. He held the ball too long. So why did he hold the ball too long? He was afraid of throwing interceptions like he did against Dallas. So he was taking sacks. 
those sacks turned into very negative plays because they had very bad field position in that game throughout the game. But I go back to Lance, the decision by Shane Steich and the offensive coordinator and the head coach, Nick Sirianni, after the Saints go on that nine-play drive that eats up eight minutes and 58 seconds in the first quarter of the game, the Eagles drop back the pass three times inside their own 20. Run the ball. Run the ball, mm-hmm. Sahal. Thank you, John. Yeah. Yep. Let me turn it to the other side, Sal, because <laughs> I think if I read the number correctly, I think it's six games in a row this Eagles defense has had at least six sacks. We know they had seven against the Giants last month, which is the most the Giants have allowed all season long, but yet they are also nicked up on defense. What what can we expect to see from the Eagles D this week? Well, you know, I think, Paul, those are good numbers, but they had a lot of sacks against Dallas, but they gave up a 52-yard bomb on the third and 30. Okay, between 2000 and 2023, NFL teams went for third and 30 for a first down 480 times. 480 is the number in 22 years. Four were converted. Four, including the game against Dallas. That's a percentage of 1.4%. How do I know that number? Because I I asked Evan to look it up. I'm like, (laughs) it's not because I'm very smart. Or I did the work myself. <laughs> I got I got Evan Kaplan at ESPN Stats and Information. He's the guru. So I had him look it up. Because, you know, you, nobody gets burned on third and 30. But the Eagles managed to be one of those teams. So it doesn't matter how many sacks they give up because they gave up some big plays. The other thing is they've been very bad. I use the word bad. At keeping quarterbacks contained. On third down, Ryan Tannehill ran for a bunch of first downs, even though they lost that game. And you saw Daniel Jones last week running off the edges. If if the Eagles have to dedicate any of their defense, Paul, to uh, containing Daniel Jones as a runner, that's going to also change the calculus. I think the Eagles are going to have a very, very hard time beating the Giants this week. I really do. And by the way, Sal, even if Jones doesn't play or only plays part of the game, Tyrod Taylor's not afraid to run either. Yeah. No, I think – I. so to going back to Lance's question, Paul, you know, mo, mojo and momentum, if, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't coalesce quickly in the first quarter, you know, the crowd is going to get on them and, you know, the, and then the Giants are feeling confident. A lot of things can go wrong. But one thing that has to go right for Philadelphia this week is that Jalen Hurts has to come out and play to a semblance of where he was. And then the Giants will have trouble playing in this game against the Eagles. And maybe he decides, okay, we're losing the game in the second half. We pull Daniel Jones, we pull Saquon Barkley, and whatever. But I think uh, if they smell a chance to win the game, don't you think they're going to try to win the game? I think they are. The Giants I'm talking about. I think they are. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. You guys are closer. You guys are closer to it than I am, but I just. Yeah. Honestly, we're not sure yet. You know, Dable's kind of preached win every game and compete every week. So we think they'll, they're going to do that. But we also think probably the guys that are banged up, they're going to rest out. So we'll have to wait and see. Shockingly, someone from Bill Belichick's coaching tree has not been completely forthcoming on who's he's going to play on Sunday. I know you know, I'm surprised by that. I understand that he's in an unprecedented situation, right? You know, in a lot of ways that he really is. And, you know, God forbid, right? 
you don't want something to happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, the one good thing here, Sal, and I'm going to do one more around the horn here, and I'm going to go to bigger playoff picture stuff here. We're actually pretty sure who the Giants are going to play in the first round. They're locked into the sixth spot. Unless David Blau figures out a way to beat the San Francisco 49ers, probably not going to happen, right? The the, the the Giants, rather, are going to play the Minnesota Vikings in round one. Your thoughts on that rematch after they had that dramatic tie, you know, broken by the 61-yard kick a couple weeks ago, and just overall NFC playoff picture, how do you view that potential matchup and how this NFC playoff picture might play out this week? Yeah, so I think that the Giants are a good matchup against the Vikings because Ed Donatel's defense is a zone-based defense. There are a lot of soft spots in the middle. There are a lot of zones. I don't remember the exact numbers of what Daniel Jones did as a runner in that game, uh, but <clears throat> I don't remember him running a whole lot in that football He did not. He, no, he no, did not, no. but he, yeah. he had his best passing game of the year against them. Correct. Wasn't so close. it's very efficient. Right, right. Yeah. So against the zone, you can throw, but you can't really run because guys are not playing bad defense. So I think the Giants are a good matchup against Ed Donatel's defense. That's no secret. Uh, that's the bottom line. And if I'm Wink Martindale, I play press coverage on Justin Jefferson. I don't let him off the line of scrimmage, and I blitz. Blitz Kirk Cousins. From the minute you step into U.S. Bank Stadium, think about blitzing. How am I blitzing? Where am I blitzing from? Uh, don't let Justin Jefferson get a clean release. Make sure you figure out, okay, we, uh, at some point, they're going to have to run the football with Dalvin Cook because maybe the Giants get an early lead. And and then, you know, you just come after Kirk Cousins. And eminently, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Paul and, and John and, and, and uh, Lance, but the bottom line is that's an eminently winnable game on the road in a playoff spot for the New York Giants against the Minnesota Vikings. Eminently yeah, no winnable. Sure. Hey, hey, Sal, since the summer, I thought that Philadelphia was the best roster in the NFC. I, I picked them to lose to Buffalo in the Super Bowl back oh. in July. But having said that, having said that, as the season progressed and McCaffrey got traded to San Francisco, I said, well, there's your mm -hmm. NFC championship game. It's San Francisco and Philadelphia. But now you got Purdy at the controls for San Fran. How's he going to react to the playoffs? You have an Eagles team that needs Austin Powers to find their mojo. And, and you've got the possibility of still Tom Brady. He's going to be in the playoffs. And Aaron Rodgers may sneak into the playoffs. All of a sudden, maybe I don't know who's going to be in the NFC Championship game. It's hard to predict. Uh, by the way, uh, because we have a vowel on the end of our name, Paul and I think alike. <laughs> I had I had the Eagles losing to the Bills in the Super Bowl as well. I, you know, you can throw that one out the window now. But 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 listen, Paul. I think the Packers are talk about Lance's point about momentum. I think the Packers have. Serious momentum. And momentum is spelled defense. They're playing very well on defense. Aaron Rodgers has figured out if, if they have that young man, Christian Watson, at, at near 100%, I think he's a total game changer. You've got to double team him. He's the fastest guy on the field. He catches everything that's thrown to him. Aaron Rodgers has got his lightsaber out. He's playing Obi-Wan Kenobi out there. He is just carving people up effortlessly. Watch out for the Packers. That's all I'll say. Watch out for the Packers. I think they beat Detroit by 21 on Sunday. They get in the playoffs and uh, watch out. 
if they if they do get in, would they go to San Francisco? Is that what would happen? Correct. That would be the two seven right. matchup. Yeah. Yep. So Brock Purdy against Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Right. And, and, and they, then and you they, may have Aaron Rodgers after he gets through them going up against Philadelphia. Could 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 happen. Could happen. It, you know, Eagles are a long way from that, Paul, right now. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say it. The Eagles need to put together a touchdown drive in the first quarter, a touchdown drive or two in the first quarter against the Giants to get what Lance talked about, the momentum back of the season. Okay, we're good. We're okay. We got our leader back. We can operate in the normal parameters of how we were operating weeks one through 15. He leads us down. We score points. Remember, when he went down, they were leading in touchdowns. He was leading in touchdowns uh, total among quarterbacks, running and passing. They were the number one team in points scored going into that game against the Saints. Scoring 29 points a game, they scored 10 points. So, you know, he's the offense. He's the team. Jalen Hurts is the scheme. So I'm not – I don't think anybody within that organization, and I know them very, very well, haven't covered them for 30 years. I don't think any of them is concerned about San Francisco or Dallas or Green Bay. They're just worried about the New York football giants and particularly can they operate function normally in the first quarter of the game to get mojo and momentum back and maybe give the giants second thoughts about, all right, well, you know, we thought we could come here in Philly. We're not going to do that. That's, that's the whole season right there. Watch that first quarter, Paul. Watch that first quarter. Lance, I want to jump in here real quick and a follow-up, just real fast. First of all, Paul, congratulations on a pop culture reference from the late 90s. That's great progress for you. Well done. <laughs> You've gone out of the 70s and 80s. Really good job. Very oh, behave! <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, Sal, the bigger question, more... John, is did he watch actually all of the Austin Powers movies no or way. did he just watch maybe one? Yes, of them? I have. That's the more <laughs> yes, important question, but yes. Okay. Sal, so, the, the two NFC playoff teams we didn't mention yet, and then I'll let Lance wrap us up. We didn't mention the Bucks or the Cowboys. I know Brady's had some late-minute, late-second touchdowns, and he flashes the old Brady. Him and Mike Evans finally connected last week. They're probably going to get Dallas in the first round here, assuming Dallas doesn't you know, jump filling the NFC East. It's still Tom Brady, but, boy, that Bucks team has just struggled all year. You mentioned Rodgers being dangerous. How dangerous do you think Brady and the Bucks are, or do you think they're going to struggle against Dallas in the first round, or Philly, depending on which team they get? Okay, John, here comes a pop culture reference. <laughs> I think Tom Brady's like Steven Seagal and hard to kill. It's impossible <laughs> to kill this guy. He won't go down. <laughs> he won't go down. He just won't. He's like the raging bull in the ring. I never went down, Ray. I never went down. So, I mean. Great scene. A great scene, right? And he walks over to the corner, right? And he goes, hey, Ray, I never went down. That's Tom Brady. So, um, even you look at the game against the Rams last year, right, Paul? I mean, yeah. you know, the Rams yeah. were killing them. Tom Brady's yelling at Sean Hockley. I'm getting popped in the mouth by Von Miller and, and Aaron Donald. Can you please stop these guys popping me in the mouth? They're sacking him like crazy. He comes back, and then Todd Bowles' defense gives up that long bomb to Cooper Cup. So, hey, you know, they're hard to kill unless you have Eli Manning. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Then they're marked for death. 
<laughs> oh, I like it. You like that? That's a tough one. That's a tough one to watch, John. That's a tough one to watch. <laughs> Go ahead, Lance. Wrap this up. <laughs> well, Sal, I want to circle back to where the conversation started about how far the Giants have come along because I think we covered all the entities of the playoffs, and I agree with you. The Packers may fit that label of a wild card team that gets in playing its best football and maybe is able to ride off into the sunset. We've seen that in the past. But I think the common element to the NFC, you look at what Kevin O'Connell's done with the Vikings in year one, Brian Dable with the Giants, and Kyle Shanahan overcoming multiple injuries at the quarterback position. I'm curious where you think Dable is within the conversation for coach of the year. Good question. In comparison to what a lot of the other individuals I just named have been able to overcome and also the success of some of these first-year coaches we've seen this year. Well, Lance, how about Mike Tomlin, too? I mean, he's going to be over sure. 500 again. You can't yeah. stop. Yeah, right? Talk about hard to kill. Mike Tomlin, jeez. <laughs> Since 2007, never had a losing record. We'll see if that holds up. Yeah. Listen, I think Brian Dable is definitely uh, in the mix, for sure. So is Kyle Shanahan. Nick Sirianni has been a leader in the clubhouse for a couple of weeks. I think the recent stumbles and Nick Sirianni acknowledging that he had a poor coaching performance – against the Saints, I think that hurt Nick a little bit, for sure, for sure. Uh, I don't have a vote. If I had a vote, I would vote, obviously. I think for the coach that has transformed a quarterback that, you know, coming into this season, there were a lot of question marks about. You know, it was the year of living dangerously at the quarterback position, and they've completely transformed that quarterback and wound up going to the playoffs. Who am I talking about? Am I talking about Dayball? Am I talking about Sirianni, right? Could be either one. Could be either one, right, Paul? Could be either one. I think they're one and one A right now. That's what, Now, you may say, come back to me. Guys in San Francisco may say, hey, Shanahan's on his third quarterback, cuz. He's on a third quarterback on the last pick in the draft. And look what he's done. So it's, it's going to be a, a tough decision for the voters for sure. And, you know. I don't know. Has there ever been a co-coach of the year? I don't That's think good so. Question. Yeah, I don't think so. Have there been co co MVPs? Barry Sanders, Brett Favre, right? Uh, Keith Hernandez, and was it Willie Stargell in '79? All right, Sal, you got some clout. Make it happen. Co-coach <laughs> of the year. I don't know. Would Philadelphia and the Giants be able to share a trophy, though, Sal? That would be uncharted territory. Yeah, I'm not sure that would work. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we bring it into the parking lot at MetLife Stadium and find out, Lance? They have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they would. Sal, good stuff, man. We really appreciate the time. Thanks, Sal. You, Thanks, yeah, Sal. You, I'm, it's, a, it's an honor for me to call you my friends, and thank you so much for having me on your program. I appreciate it. Yeah, and we'll see you then in Philly in a couple of days. The Giant Subtle Podcast is brought to you by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time at any time. Visit psejock.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. Don't forget to check out Sal on the NFL Matchup Show on ESPN. Go find it on ESPN, ESPN2. Set your DVR. Make that appointment television every week. Great preview. The Giants will be out for justice when they take on the Eagles on Sunday. We'll see how that game goes. That's three. <laughs> Thanks for joining us in the Giants Huddle Podcast. We'll see you next time.